Hello and welcome to the Granta Podcast. I'm Yuka Garashi, and on this week's podcast, I'm joined by one of the best of young British novelists from our 2013 list, Ross Raisin. Ross Raisin is the author of the novels God's Own Country and Waterline, as well as numerous short stories, two of which have recently appeared in Granta. We talk about the different ways he approaches novels and short stories, and the contrasting uses of specificity and ambiguity in each form. He also discusses his new novel about a footballer who is struggling with his sexual identity. Hello, Ross Raisin, um, and congratulations on being on our fourth Best of Young Novelist list. Um, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the story that you have in our issue. It's called Submersion, and it's, um, I guess, it depicts a, a scene of a flood. I was wondering if you could just say a little bit first about where the idea for the story came from. Well, um, the, the idea actually came from a fragment within the story, mm-hmm. as it is now. Um, I have a, a school group that I, I go into school once a week in Heathrow um, and we do a creative writing class um, it was not really class it's kind of a chaotic jumble <laughs> of uh, them not doing writing most of the time but um, how old are the children? They, they, they vary I think when I was doing this particular group they were about 16, 17 years old and, um, and I'd given them a writing exercise and when I do um, writing exercises with, with children I try and get involved and do them myself the instruction that I've given them. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what it was. It was something, uh, I think maybe I'd asked them to write something like a visually arresting scene, something like that. Mm. And so I did it myself. And I ended up writing um, a, an odd depiction of, of a man on, a, on, on an armchair, sitting in an armchair, right. moving down a flood. Um, and I kept that, and I kept all these pieces of crap that I've got, all these, all these <laughs> fragments of writing, and, and I was looking through them when I was, when I was putting together um, some of their work for an anthology, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I quite liked it, so I kept it, and, um, and that, that image, I don't know, I was quite interested in that image, and, mm. and, I, and, well, well, and, it, and it formed the basis of the story, um, that's, that's amazing, that's that you almost get, it, you, yeah. it's almost as if you gave yourself a prompt and then wrote, of it, wrote it, which is quite great. Did you um, so? Do you often start with images with with your stories and your novels? Sometimes I do. I guess actually more likely to do that with the short story actually I think than with um, than with the, with a novel. Mm. Um, there's two or three short stories I've probably started off with a specific image. This probably more than more than most, but it tied in. I I don't know quite how I made the connection. In fact, it's impossible to decipher sometimes how you actually make connections but at around the same time I, I was thinking about that image and, write, and writing some scraps for ideas for a short story and I was kind of I suppose off the back of finishing um, my last novel which is Waterline which is um, largely about grief um, and I'd been writing very directly about grief for quite a long time in the writing of that novel and I think something about the idea of writing about grief, but in a in a very opposite way, in a very different way to that direct, realistic way I've been doing with the novel, somehow fed into that image of uh, of, of, the, of the guy on the armchair, and so it's 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 more it's it's a more ambiguous representation of of, of grief of grief. Right. Yeah. It almost seems if you read Waterline and then you read the story, there's there's this I, there's almost this feeling that 
the story is this inside-out version of, of Waterline in a lot of ways. Both are obsessed with a kind of vast and um, isolated landscape and sort of, I always feel like a lot of your stories have to do with um, these vast landscapes and these isolated characters within it. And it does seem like there's some sort of um, relationship between these two, no the novel and this story. Yeah, I think there's something in that. Um, I guess there's, there's a relationship between all the stuff that I've done, but I think certainly that, that idea of isolation mm. um, and isolation within a particular landscape comes into everything that I, that I seem to do, whether that landscape be um, a physical one, a geographical one, or whether it be a, a social landscape mm. in which the, the main character or characters feel or have been ostracised in some way. When I read your, uh, where does that come from? That's always there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I always feel like that. What happens with your writing is there's a sense of, there's this real sense of the vast landscape, like as I've said, but also at the same time a, a sort of claustrophobia of the of being inside one person's sort of psyche mm. and mental space. Um, and do you? I, I wonder if you think about that when you're writing, sort of in that spatial way of of having these uh, people uh, inside these sort of. This idea of sort of claustrophobia versus mm -hmm. sort of almost like agoraphobia, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> that appeals to me at, at certain times, I think. Um, the idea of it feels right now quite odd and alien almost because I'm, I'm in the midst of writing um, something else, a novel, which is, which is very different actually and it's, not, it's more... Um, It, it's not so much inside one particular character's head mm -hmm. or their headspace. It's, it's, it covers quite a lot. It covers quite a range, um, and is much more omniscient in its kind of overview. Um, Do you think that that's something where your your writing is progressing that way? Because I've noticed that your novels are in the first person, sort of very much in certain in, in a very distinct voice, and uh, the short story that you had for us in Britain the Britain issue, as well as the one in the Best of Young British Novelists, seem to sort of have, like you said, more uh, removed from, from one voice and, uh, and less, uh, so dis you know, less distinct in its um, yeah. dialect. Do you think that's... Is that, is that sort of a progression you see in your not, writing? Not as such. And actually, in certainly the timelines of me writing those various things, they've not all been... Hmm in that neat right. sequence. Um, part, part of it, I think, is... Um, well, I certainly feel that wherever the idea has come from or whatever it is that is interesting you in it, um, you find a way of um, best writing that, best representing that with, with style and with, and with language. And, 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 and those, those things marry together in, in, in different ways but um, certainly in terms of the, the kind of isolationist idea of, of, of these characters sometimes certainly with with Waterline which is the last big project that I've done that's written in a really close third person and it's, it's, it is very claustrophobic because I wanted to get across the idea of, of just how isolated that person that, that, who, that person who becomes homeless and, and is isolated in his grief as well would be um, so yeah, I'm not sure, but I think as well, because you're spending most of your time doing this as well, there is 
quite naturally part of you that you've been writing in one way and especially if it's a really particular way and a, and a very limited and challenging way mm. then when you when you come to the end of that project you do kind of often go okay I, I want to do something that's just different from that this time so I've been writing in this first person and I now want to write something that's can you talk a little bit more about this, the new novel, and well, what you doing with it? Well, um, it's in fact um, a novel that is, well, the idea certainly is based on the short story that I, um, uh, that was in the Grant uh, Britain um, issue. It's so called when you, when you Grow Into Yourself. That's right, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's kind of, the, that's been the seed for it. And in fact, I wrote that story knowing that I, I I was probably going to write a novel, and so I used the short story as a way of exploring the idea in, in some ways, of exploring the character and exploring the, that world, the football world. Um, I've actually, I didn't really do much research before the short story. I've done all my research into the world and spoken to people about some of the issues since, and so um, I don't know if I would write that short story differently now. Pro probably not, actually. Unfortunately, unfortunately the football world is is just as predictable as you expect it to be and it's just more far out it's just worse I think than you could ever imagine the thing that's so amazing with that story is that it's not it's not depicting what you would see as the the glamorous side of football but kind of all the sort of intricate relationships within uh within the players and it's it's kind of like a you know not the, a main league I'm going to sound like a stupid person when I'm talking about football. <laughs> so I think that that's, that was just this is so realistic. Um, and another thing about that story is that I, I think a lot of it is about mas masculinity and sort of male dynamics. And I feel like you explore that yeah. a lot in, in your writing. Even, even the new story has at, at its heart sort of, uh, you know, the relationship between fathers and, and, and sons. Do you think yeah. that that's, a, that's something that you like to write about? I think that, um, well on the first point actually, it's, to me, I never think of football as being um, shiny and plastic and glamorous because because I don't really, I'm not really interested in mm. what we see, which is the Premiership. My, my, my team has been in the uh, the bottom league for the last, well, seven years now. And so that's what, I, you know, that world is the one I'm more familiar with. Right. Um, but in terms of masculinity, yeah, I think uh, I do keep well, actually, not always. Um, my, my short stories, I suppose, um, of the ones that I've written over the last four or five years, I would say that um, pro of the main characters within them, about half of them have been male, half of them have been female. Um, so it happens that these two... Well, actually, no, it happens that this, the, the, the football one, obviously. Mm. They're, all, they're all men. <laughs> um, actually, in the novel, there's, there's quite a prominent um, female character, but in the short story, they're all men. Um, mm. But it's interesting that with the this one, um, Submersion, that in fact, they um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the, the narrator or their sibling are male, because um, they're, they're not actually, um, <laughs> they're not gendered in, right. in, in the story. That's amazing that I just assumed that when I was reading but yeah but, but, but it's quite it is quite interesting I, I don't know whether that's to do with um, the writing or whether that's to do with like if, say if I was a female author right. and I'd written that exact same story then would it would it I don't know would you naturally perceive that, that it would be men still I, d I don't know yeah well so that was a choice for you to, to make it uh, to not 
tie that down in terms of gender. Yeah, the the whole thing is um, is ambiguous. The, right. The, 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 so so geographically as well, it's not it's not tied down. Um, time isn't tied down, um, and I think certainly with the, um, the two main characters. So there's two siblings. Um, they are identified as siblings in, in the story, I think, and and they, they spend the story searching for their father who has been lost in this flood. Um, and I think certainly with the sibling of the, ma- of the of the narrator, not naming that person or giving them a gender uh, is is part of making the story more abstract and and, and letting that character have. A role that is, um, to some degree, larger than just being the sibling and mm. um, having that sibling relationship. Mm. That, that, that that person also comes to represent within this odd submerged memory to represent guilt, I suppose, and shame on the part of the the narrator. They have more of a symbolic value, I think. That's really different than um, I guess we we talked about this a little bit, but that is quite different from what you were doing in your novels. Um, in terms of how specific they were, almost, um, you know, one of them is, is very much Scottish and one of them is very much set in Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what, what, what is the difference in terms of w- what you gain by, by doing something ambiguous versus something that's, that's very tied to a certain specific world? I, I, think, it, I think in part that comes, that comes back to the idea of wanting to keep it interesting for me. And so... I do. I do naturally gravitate towards wanting to write about specific places, specific worlds, regions, um, communities, and I think I, I, I tend to write my short stories either at the end of writing a novel or as a, as a break between drafts between novels, and and I very much enjoy writing them, um, possibly more than novels actually in, in some ways but, but and a lot of that is to do with the, the freedom of it and I can't imagine writing a novel length work in the style of that short story right. um, I don't think it would I don't think it would be cohesive and I think it would become quite tiresome but within the short story hopefully it, hopefully it isn't tiresome maybe it is, I don't know but, but to, it's certainly <laughs> yeah, in the writing definitely. of it, it it's not it's, it's not tiresome um, it, there's, a, there's a lot of scope for um, ambiguity, I think, that, um, that you couldn't quite hold together in a novel, I think. Yeah, I think that might be true that short stories lend themselves more to sort of, I mean, you don't want to say experiments, but, you know, some sort of stylistic, uh, a more stylistic freedom. You can hang it off something more minute and subtle, I think, which is very appealing. Right. But I do feel like there's um, there's sort of uh, a similarity between the novels and, and short stories that you've written in terms of the pacing which I find really extraordinary in your in your writing, just in terms of how it's it's really a, this extraordinary slow burn in in both the novels and in the short stories, where there's there's this accumulation of detail, and it and it it's slowly you slowly start to understand the world, and you you actually do feel very submerged in the worlds that you make. I think, and um, I was wondering, in terms of is that something also that you that you're aware of when you're writing in terms of how aware of you about of pacing and sort of how quickly you reveal things and how much patience you want your readers to have when you're reading your stories well it's certainly something that I think about at length um, I don't think about it 
a great deal, I don't imagine, in my first draft, but in my second draft I probably am thinking about that very prominently. Um, and the pacing of the pacing is it's different, I, I guess, with um, the two novels that I've written and, and most of the short stories. In the, I, I, um, I'm trying to think what happens in this new one. Who knows? It's just a muddle at the moment. <laughs> but um, in, the, in, the, in the two that have finished, there's um, in terms of the pacing of the of the plot, mm. there's very much a um, uh, an inevitability to. to to how they're going to end, which okay. there's not. I don't think you're in, in much doubt when you, even when you begin the book, how it's going to end. It certainly, it becomes more and more clear. Yeah. So the, 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 I think the point with the writing of it is that you are you're letting the reader know that that's how it's going to end, but but you're creating a feeling in them that they don't want it to end that way and so yes. they're, they're, they're constantly, there's a tension there they're constantly pulling against that but, but as it increases it becomes heavier and it starts to it starts to quicken towards that whereas the, um, certainly some of the short stories in this one there is more of a I guess a, a reveal um, mm. well, I, I don't know if I'd call this one a reveal it's not quite as clear as that but but, but there I is, there's, there is. Um, yeah, there's a something at the yeah. end I yeah it's true there, there, is, there is a difference yeah, and, and I think what you're saying about your novels is really true that a lot of the suspense, I, I feel like, comes out of of wanting the sort of thing that seems inevitable to stop happening. It's yeah. like, is this really actually going to happen the way, is it really going to go down the way the way it's been set up? And, and sort of, yeah, that's it's kind of this reverse suspense, which is quite amazing. Reverse suspense, I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> See, some people would just call that rubbish plot, but I think reverse suspense. Well, I think the, the play with the inevitability is just... I think that's. I, I think it's actually also true, in um, in especially your Britain story as well, where I feel as if, you know, you, you have this impending yeah. doom and something something bad's going to happen, and you're like, and I guess there's a little bit less of a feeling of knowing exactly what's going to happen, but there is both this sort of heaviness in, in both your novels and your stories. Yeah, and actually the one that I'm writing now, the the, the football one, there's something of that going on. Again, mm. which which in part is um, no, actually not in terms of the creation of it, but certainly if it, if it gets published, it's going to be um, challenging in some ways because the book is about uh, or one of the main characters is a player who um, is, if not gay, he um, he doesn't feel that he is normal and fits within the the world that he's in, mm. and so. I don't know how you publish a book about a gay footballer without revealing that he's a gay footballer. I think um, I think that whoever publishes it is probably going to want to sort of flag that up flag ahead yeah. ahead of time, right? <laughs> That's and it's not going to be something that you can you can wait to have happen in the book as much. Yeah, it's, it's just different with a short story because right. because a short story, like if it's in say the the Granter collection, you know, yeah. there's no there's no cover to it, right? It, so it's it's just a short story that appears and you and you don't have any yeah. prior knowledge of it, but yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Right. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. The Granta Podcast is available for free download on iTunes, SoundCloud, and selected British Airways flights. To subscribe to Granta, please visit our website, granta.com.